Hi, friends. Welcome to Chic Conversations. We're so excited to have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Andrea Hill. She graduated from Texas A&M University College of Medicine in 1999. And after her pediatric residency at Scott and White Hospital, she moved to Walton County, Georgia, and opened Monroe Pediatrics. She's owned and operated this practice since 2002. In 2012, Dr. Hill graduated from Auburn University with an MBA. Dr. Hill is board certified in pediatrics and combat sports medicine. She served as chief of medicine at a local hospital. She served also on a variety of nonprofit boards, including teen shelters and the YMCA. She's also worked extensively with USA Boxing, as well as the UFC and Mayweather Productions in combat sports as a ringside physician. She's blessed with two daughters, a 25-year-old attorney and a five-year-old set to begin kindergarten next month. And since coronavirus hit in March of this year, she's morphed from an avid traveler to a reader and researcher of all things coronavirus related. In her free time, she is a boxer. We are so excited. Grab your favorite drink and take notes. Hi there, Dr. Hill. Welcome to Chic Conversations. So thank you so much for joining us today as we discuss COVID and back to school. So your videos have been so inspiring and they've gone viral. So we just appreciate your wisdom, your knowledge, and thank you so much for inspiring us from a distance. Thank you for having me. And um, I, I hope I have something useful to say today. We're all three moms here. How would you say 2020 has been for you? Oh my gosh, as a mom or as a doctor, it's hard to separate the two. It's been Mm -hmm. like the most uncertain, um, stressful year of my life, just about. I feel like I've been in medical school again, Mm -hmm. studying from the time I wake up in the morning till the time I go at night to bed at night. I'm trying to, I have a five-year-old who trying to figure out how to homeschool her. I'm doing telemedicine with patients some days and she's walking in and telling me about, you know, some make-believe friend who's coming to have a party. And, you know, it's just been really stressful. Uh, And and I think the uncertainty has been the worst, how things change every couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's crazy. And now um, we have schools will be open soon. So that's kind of, you know, as a parent, I have elementary middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. And I have so many questions about, you know, school being opened and COVID. And I know I'm not the only one. We have some parents that have reached out to us as life coaches um, asking us, you know, like what's our own, you know, opinion and, and what we should do. So there's so much information going out misinformation, information, what's the balance? So what can you tell us about COVID and what's the balance? 
COVID in general, I mean, well, everyone knows it's a respiratory virus that affects other organ systems. I think everyone is pretty familiar um, with um, how you catch it. We certainly have learned a lot about masks and cleaning our hands and not touching our faces. And that's true. There's no uh, misinformation out there about that, really. Um, I think that it's been a blessing with COVID for me as a pediatrician. Uh, it's The blessing has been that it doesn't make kids super sick because I honestly don't know how I would have handled the stress of this year if my patients had been getting sick and dying, you know, um, on top of everything else. So I, I think that as parents, even though, you know, my first reaction when COVID hit was probably like a lot of other people. I, well, I pulled my five-year-old out of preschool um, before the schools closed. And, um, uh, you know, all I could think of was the schools need to close. The schools need to close. These kids are the ones spreading it all the time. I don't get sick with my patients. I get sick when my kid brings it home. And I just assumed it worked like every other virus. And I think that we're finding, you know, we found that isn't really true. And really, it's such a blessing. But our instincts as parents and as moms were to go into protect mode of our kids, the same as we would if, with any other virus that hit us. And I think that um, we, re we reached out to protect our young kids, our babies. And that was kind of the opposite. It's kind of the opposite of what we need to be doing with this virus. You know, I took my five-year-old, Her the dance school she goes to opened up again. And I was so excited because I thought even with social distancing, with like, at least three or four other kids, she could be in a tap class or, or a jazz class. And um, I went to the classes and no young kids are there. She's the only little kid there. And teenagers are there. Wow. Flocks, flocks. A dozen teenagers, no masks on, hanging out, doing their dance routines. But So no parents are sending their little kids, but they're sending all their teenagers. And it's just the opposite of what we really should be doing, I think. It's harder to control teenagers, obviously. And, 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 but we're doing the opposite because that's what we've done with every other virus out there, protecting our young children, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the hardest thing to, to, for people to understand and the information to get out there um, is just that it doesn't work like other viruses that we're used to, which target smaller children and the smaller children with less developed immune system, immune systems are typically at risk. And this virus just doesn't work like that. Do you think it's, healthy to share all the facts that we as parents know or should we or do you think that's causing anxiety should we leave them in their childlike mind more as much as we can or should we tell them the truth as we know it and share the uncertainty I think that what you tell your child depends on their age and what questions they ask I don't believe in lying to your children and I try not to lie to my patients you know parents will say this isn't going to hurt what is it Dr. Hill and I won't say, no, it's not going to hurt. I think that kids need to trust that what you say is the truth. So if your child asks you a question, I think you need to answer it honestly, no matter what the age, but you need to answer it in a way that they understand. If they don't ask a question when they're very young, um, other than teaching them to keep clean and making some, you know, mild comments about this virus is out here, there's no reason to give them a lot of fear and uncertainty. Um and give them too much information, but I certainly would answer questions honestly if they ask them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Older sense. teenagers, I think you have to explain more to them. Um, teenagers' way of thinking is just very short-sighted. Um, they feel invincible. They don't look down the road as much. 
and teenagers, since teenagers are the ones who are more at risk at spreading this, really things like wearing masks and hygiene really need to be, you need to sit down and have a discussion with your teenagers about it and why it's important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, It's, well, it's just so crazy, so much going on. And so with the AAP, um, American Academy of Pediatrics, mm-hmm. so they recommended um, children attending school this fall in person, this mm-hmm. fall. Right. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Um, so do you agree or disagree with that? I agree that for some children, it's better to be in school in person. And it really is individual based on your own child's needs, um, what their mental health issues may or may not be. Um, If they learn better in a structured environment in front of the teacher or if they're able to self-direct. I think that the problem in America with our schools, and yes, ideally, all children would go to school and we would have the appropriate interventions that need to be in place to keep them safe. the appropriate interventions based on science, not politics. Um, But I don't have confidence in all our school systems around this country to do that. So honestly, one of the ways uh, that you make schools safer is to have smaller classes. And we don't have the finances in America to pay teachers what they need to be paid. To have smaller classes would mean hiring more teachers. So just logically speaking, some kids need to stay home to make the ones who are at school safer and the classes smaller. So I don't think that that it's logistically possible for all kids to go to school in person. I don't think it's best for every child. And I don't think that um, it's best for the ones who go if all go, you know? So um, for all those reasons, I think you just, you have to take it, your individuals, your individual child's learning style, their learning needs. Say for example, in uh, Georgia, Some of the AP advanced placement classes aren't going to be offered if they do the online option. Well, that's an issue if you have a senior who's trying to take college classes, you know, so what their educational Mm -hmm. needs are, what their learning style is, what their psychological needs are, and what their social needs are. All those things have to be taken into account to decide what's best for your own child. And then the physical health component as well, you know. How would, based on your expertise and your Uh, patient population and what you see. What is the social, emotional, mental health? And and, and what should parents look for mostly? Maybe the highlights of what to look for to make sure that your kid is not in danger in their mental, social, emotional health. What's one thing that you, or one or two things in each category that can help them? Well, that's hard because it's going to vary from age to age again, right? Um, so, uh, social emotional health is just how you learn to interact with other people and regulate your own emotions and how you use these emotions interacting with other people and, uh, good social emotional skills are necessary to become a happy adult. You know, um, it's what, you know, when you have young toddlers, parents talk about socializing your kids, you know, like it is important to learn to play nicely with others. It is important to learn that if you scream and throw a temper tantrum, it probably isn't appropriate um, and learn to self-regulate that and calm yourself to uh, handle your own emotions and to interact with other people properly. Right. It's hard to become successful people as you grow into adults if you don't interact with other people appropriately. Um, so I think that the things to look for vary, you know, in very young children, more nightmares 
Um, one of the things I pointed out early to some of my patients was, um, you know how your child is telling you how much they love your, your three or four year old, they're telling you how much they love you all the time and they're hugging you all the time and everything. And like, it feels so sweet and so amazing. And you're like, oh my gosh, they're spending so much time with me now. They, they hug me all the time, but that can actually be a sign of anxiety in a child, right? In a young child, if they're hugging you too much, if they're too clingy and it feels really nice that they want to hug you all the time, but it could be a sign that they're getting anxious. Um, like I said, nightmares, bad dreams, um, asking questions a lot, um, asking a lot of questions about it, maybe wanting to be more informed. Kids like all of us want to know what's coming and want to uh, want to understand what's going on. And if it becomes too much of a, the coronavirus becomes too much of a topic of conversation with them, then maybe they're worrying too much about it. Um, you know, as they get older, teenagers, I think a lot of my patients as teenagers have had problems um, and they be, they become, they've suffered from being so socially withdrawn. And so just things like spending too much time in their room alone um, can be a sign, being angry, crying a lot, um, just all, all the kinds of things that you would be looking for for normal emotional problems in your kids as you go along um, are going to be the same in the case of this pandemic. As parents, we should just pay attention to all these signs. Yeah, so um, so in your video, in-person learning versus e-learning. So this video has gone viral, by the way. Um <laughs> You mentioned uh, research says that ele um, elementary school age children um, below the age of 10 are safe to go to school. And your concerns are with middle school and high school age children. So as I mentioned before, I have um, elementary, I have middle and I have a high school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So can you explain more? Well, I mean, the United States has not done a great job at contact tracing uh, like other countries have. So a lot of the research we have about how the virus is being spread has come from other countries. So mo many countries around the world, uh, the Netherlands, um, the UK, um, France, Australia, uh, many countries have done research that by contact tracing in homes, trying to see how the virus is spread. And they found that uh, the majority of the time, the overwhelming majority of the time, children are not the ones who are spreading, taking the virus home and spreading it to their family. So they're not the sentinel event in their home, which means they did not get the virus and spread it to everyone in the family. An adult in the house got the virus and spread it to them if they got it. Um, there have also been studies with pretty large numbers in the in the hundreds um, where they show that children haven't spread it at school. There was a school in France that had 80, uh, one classmate exposed 80 different, other 80, one child exposed 80 different classmates and no one came down with the virus. Um, now there are some cases and, and I hear case reports occasionally that it does happen, but the majority of the time it doesn't. And I, I don't know if we are, completely sure why that is, but we do know that because kids aren't getting sick as sick with it and it's my, they have milder symptoms, they're shedding less of the virus. So, um, the viral shed of coronavirus seems to be dependent upon the severity of your illness, which isn't true for all illnesses. So most young children are just getting like a runny nose or a little cough or a little bit of a temperature for a day or two and that's it. And so they just aren't running around shedding the virus much. Um, so, so 
that's the research that's been done in many different countries. And again, like I said, you can find a couple case reports of, of children spreading it, younger children spreading it. But the, but the majority of the research and the data is saying that they don't. And some of the research says kids under 10 and some says kids under 12. Um, so um, we, I feel pretty good about young children. Um, now, that isn't to say you're going to, you know, put a child with coronavirus in the face of a bunch of other children with coronavirus on purpose, you know. But I think that you can feel pretty confident that if they take normal measures like hand cleaning, not touching their face, keeping them spaced apart in classes in school, they're going to be pretty safe. And they probably are not going to give that virus to the teacher. The teacher is more of a risk of giving it to them than they are to the teacher, which is important. So, um, but that does change as they get older. And it's again, kind of proportionate to how sick the kids are getting. So as kids get sicker, as they come down with coronavirus more in middle school and high school, we've seen more cases of them having fevers longer and that sort of stuff and having more, you know, flu-like kind of symptoms. Um, and so they are shedding it more. And then uh, I've talked on my social media with my office ever since the beginning of this that, you know, teenagers have this wonderful sometimes and sometimes bad habit of um, going around in groups of people and laughing really loudly and yelling really loudly, especially teenage girls, I think. Um, and so we know when we study the viral particle admission in your breath that things like yelling, singing, laughing loudly, transmit more virus in your breath than just talking um, and, and approach the amount of virus that's shed just even by coughing or sneezing. So we know that these activities in close person um, are more at risk. So if you have kids who are shedding more virus and then their habits, their, you know, their social habits um, are conducive to spreading this virus and they're shedding more virus, they're going to be more at risk for, for sharing it around the community. Ah, wow. (laughs) So good. So good. I have a teenage daughter that's been (laughs) go out with her friends. And uh, so now I have to give her special instructions to (laughs) laugh out loud from afar. Right. right. And, and, uh, you know, the whole mask issue in parts of the United States has become quite controversial. Mm. And um, and I don't even know that my home county is going to require masks in school. And that does really bother me, especially in high school and middle school. I think that just teaching high schoolers to wear masks as a group could really cut down on how this virus is spreading in in our uh, in our communities. I agree. I, and, and based on what you just said, um, there's a huge percentage of American population that thinks that the COVID uh, virus is a hoax. I wish, I wish it was. I, <laughs> oh my God, I wish it was. <laughs> and all doctors got together and created and made it up. <laughs> what, I, what? I, trust me, we have not benefited in any way from this virus, not financially, not emotionally. Uh, our sleep has suffered. Our families have suffered. We've had nothing to gain and everything to lose of this virus. It's been a very stressful time all around. Um, yeah. yeah, I wish it was a hoax. <laughs> but but then, um, based on that mindset, that I believe it's not a minority mindset. I think it's a, a large a percentage of the population that believes that and are not um, following the rules. Do you think we are in this for a long run based on that 
disparity in the mindset. This is not a pediatric statement necessarily, right? But I just, I uh, feel very um, disheartened about the prospects in America, to be honest. Um, our country was founded on uh, freedom of, and individualism, and we weren't formed on uh, any type of belief in community. And um, unfortunately, then that means that people see uh trying to do things like make them wear a mask is interfering with their personal liberties and their personal freedoms. In our country, uh, the individual matters more than the community. Um, and when you are in a culture like that, I think you have very um, poor uh, prognosis <laughs> in a pandemic. And it's also unfortunate that this pandemic hit in an election year because there's a lot of distrust on both sides. Um, I believe that this had, if this had not hit in an election year, I believe we would be looking at a different yeah. situation. Yeah. That's so true. So true. So um, you touched on uh, masks. So mm -hmm. in what other ways can we support um, our children's immune system? Um, even us, you know, I have vitamins, foods. Is there anything that you could, you know, just tell us? The most important thing for your immune system is to get enough rest. Our body mm -hmm. heals when it's sleeping. Um, we know when children go off to college in their freshman year, we've always thought, oh, they get so sick because they're in the dorm rooms. But part of the story is that they are staying up super late and not sleeping well enough and getting enough rest. So I think the most important thing in keeping your children's immune system healthy is making sure they get the rest, the sleep at night that they're supposed to get. Um, and um, after that, of course, you know, a, a good variety in their diet with fruits and vegetables and antioxidants um, and getting enough exercise, getting out in the sunshine, I think is important. There are probably some issues with vitamin D, but not just um, their physical health. I mean, I have so many patients right now who are suffering from depression or anxiety because of all these quarantines. And every time I talk to them, I say, are you getting outside and at least walking 20 minutes a day in the sunshine? Um, because everyone's sitting inside and uh, video gaming and watching television. And so I just, I feel like a good dose of sunshine and exercise and rest and then good healthy fruits and vegetables. There's no magic cure. These are all things we know we should be doing anyway, wow. you know? And you, t you touched on another thing that's very important, at least in my household right now, there's no set place to go. So we don't have a structure. Would you, would, are we, as parents, as moms, do you think we should lighten up well, a pretty structured household and just because now this is their home and this is their school and this is their park and they hope that four walls is all they have. Do you think letting them just play their video games as long as they want to is healthy for them to connect with friends? or still stay structured and go to bed at a certain time, eat at a certain time and wake up at a certain time. What do you think? Um, well, you're asking a couple different questions. So uh, I still think we should be limiting screen time and video gaming um, for mental health reasons and for uh, physical health uh, as far as obesity is concerned. Um, uh, it's very hard to do. I know my five-year-old is on her iPad way too much, um, but I think <laughs> we need to strive for the same guidelines when it comes to electronics that we always do. Um, as far as structure, I really, uh, that varies from 
family to family, right? And what your children thrive best in. Uh, some children are go with the flow kind of kids and some kids need structure for their mental health uh, and to accomplish anything in the day. So <clears throat> families tend to, you tend to have like, you'll have one parent, you know, the children kind of follow the parent's suit. So if the parent is structure, like structure, uh, then probably at least half the kids are going to need structure that you have, right? <laughs> That's just genetics and personality types. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, but I think the most important thing again is making sure they're getting exercise and limiting the screen time uh, the same as we always would. Um, I know it's hard. It's hard and they can't get out to see their friends. I think if you aren't in complete quarantine, if your child, if your teenager and the other teenagers they're with uh, can understand that they need to wear face masks, I think that it could be something that they have more privileges. You have more capacity and capability to hang out with your friends if you will all agree to put on face masks, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Um, more is like a reward. Uh, you don't have to avoid everybody, but this is what we have to do if we're going to have a life. Based on, just based on the climate, mm -hmm. I'm curious if you've seen more abuse in children. I've heard that that is going on based on family structures and housing in this season. Are you seeing more abuse of children? Um, you know, Pediatric visits have declined more than any other medical specialty. We're seeing less of our patients than we normally do. So I, uh, the research and the information is saying that domestic violence has gone up dramatically. We know divorce rates have gone up. We know domestic violence has gone up. We know uh, with from the statistics and police reports that child abuse is going up. But I think part of the problem is pediatricians are catching it less because we're seeing less of our patients. Um, they, they've just been, again, it's that whole thinking of um, avoiding, of protecting our young children and keeping them home. So people have avoided the pediatric office more than they have any other office. So unfortunately, we have not um, had the opportunity to witness the bruises and different things like that that we normally would. So I have not seen that it's going up, but I know it is. Oh my gosh, that is just so, so sad. Um, you know, it's just so much going on. Like 2020 has been just weird. So yeah. crazy. <laughs> and, and 2020 is kind of like a remodeling of, you know how you remodel your kitchen? And it's kind of remodeling of the mind where huh. the way we used to be, it's not how we will be, but we could be better for it if we work together. And that's yeah, I hope it doesn't become like that kitchen project where you start doing the demo and it never gets cleaned and fixed up, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Crazy. So, you know. So, um, so one exciting thing about you that I read in your um, bio that you are a boxer. So have you gone back to, have you been boxing since um, quarantine or? Yeah, uh, as soon as our, probably a week or two after our gyms reopened in Georgia, I have, but I have not been, um, I've been training personally with my coach and, um, you know, I have access to testing. So we, I test him and test me uh, and test myself on occasion. So um, I won't go to any classes with groups of people. Um, some boxing gyms here are requiring sports masks and some aren't, but you spit a lot when you're boxing. So um, I, I've just been training with my coach. Yeah. 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 So good. Um, so is there anything um, that you want to tell us that maybe we've missed or? 
you know, anything that you want to share and tell us? Uh, I mean, goodness, I think you've hit on the main things. I think that um, you have to retrain yourselves a little bit as parents and realize the younger ones who you are in instinctively uh, the most protective of are not the ones you need to be the most protective of. You need to be most protective of your teenagers and their routines. And that's hard because uh, in the stage of development, teenagers are going out more on their own and trying to become independent adults. Um, but they, they really need uh, guidance in, in this pandemic to help the rest of us because it, it really is kind of uh, somewhere around 16, 17 year olds to the 24 to 26 year olds who are the super spreaders right now. And so it's the ones that we that we're letting loose with their cars um, who are spreading it and making it the pandemic in our or the epidemic in our country that it is, honestly. So um, it's you've got, got to kind of change the way you're used to thinking as a mom and spend more time educating your teenager uh, and less time, you know, hiding your four year old at home in their bedroom. <laughs> you know. Wow. That is that that is the mind mind shift for me because I have a six year old that um, well I let her go to gymnastics uh, camp and they were very extremely careful um, but otherwise she stays home and she and it, it gets to a point now that I ask and I just kind of quiz them and said hey there's a there's a water park that's open down the street. Uh, maybe we can try that. And the kid says, no. <laughs> I thought I will have to, I will, maybe we'll be careful. And, and they're like, no, I don't want to do that. So it, it just makes me wonder what our mind, their mindset will be moving forward and um, socializing from now moving forward will be, um, will be interesting to follow and study what, what's happening to all of us. To children under eight, it's up to about eight years old that a lot of your brain development is happening, most of it by three, but up to eight years old, intelligence and things like that in your brain are um, uh, malleable. And so I think it's very important to try to continue to have some normalcy in kids under that age, because I do think we're going to see long-term repercussions in things like anxiety disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, poor communication skills, um, poor social skills that are going to make a difference in that generation. And for those kids, I think we need to try to really keep things as normal as possible within, mm -hmm. you know, safety reasons with reasonable safety. Wow. Wow. So, so good. So good. So um, where can people find you, Dr. Hill? Uh, <laughs> I guess like you all did, I don't really, um, we have our office, it's Monroe Pediatrics Inc. in Monroe, Georgia. Um, we, I have a Facebook page. Um, I'm, I'm much more active on social media with my uh, combat sports medicine uh, than I am pediatrics. Honestly, the work that I've been doing on our office social media page really has been for my patients. They, um, it's just been trying to help them. Um, so you're welcome to check out Monroe Pediatrics, Inc. Um, on Facebook. And we have a picture of a baby, I think, a little kid sitting at a laptop or something as our profile picture, because I think there is one more Monroe Pediatrics in Washington State or something. So um, and then personally, I have an Instagram that's Fight Doctress. 
um, the right. fight factors. So that's my talk. But that's a completely different topic altogether, and that's what I do more with social media with. Fight doctors. Fight fight doctors. F I G H T D O C T R E S S. So um, so what does fight doctors do? Um, well, we um, we it's a that's a completely different podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to find out about it. <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on and we'll okay. talk about my doctors, right? <laughs> I'm going to go check it out and come back. That sounds good. You do that. <laughs> You've been an absolute delight. Thank you for helping your community and keep sure. doing it. Thank you so, so much. We appreciate you. Thank you.